Our lives should look different. Our lives shouldn't look like the rest of the world. And that's what Paul has been telling us all throughout chapters 4 and 5 of Ephesians. That our lives should be distinctive to the rest of the world. And here's why. Because we've experienced God's grace in Jesus. Because our sins have been forgiven. Because to whom much is given, much is required. Because we are dearly loved children, Paul said. And God is our good and gracious Father. Because we are children of light, not children of darkness. Because God loves us. Because we love God. Therefore, we ought to and we want to obey His commands. When we come to Christ, Paul says in 2 Corinthians that we are a new creation. We are a new creation. In the beginning of Ephesians, Paul shares how we are dead in our sin and trespasses. And that's something that each and every single one of us have here in common. We may come from different backgrounds, different upbringings, different walks of life, different socioeconomic statuses. But we all share one thing in common. And that is that we are dead in our sin and in our trespasses. We're all basically walking zombies. That's what Paul says. But in Christ, we are made alive. And in this new life, we no longer live for ourselves or submit to our sinful desires. Instead, we die to self and we live for the audience of one. And everything that God plans and everything that He wills for our lives, so much better. And this includes areas in our lives like our speech, the words that you say, the words that you use. We don't talk the same. We don't use the same phrases or say the same words as the rest of the world because our speech has been renewed. This includes things like our sexuality because we realize that sex is a good gift given to us by God to be stewarded within the context of marriage. This includes things like our thoughts. We learn to submit and surrender our thoughts to the Lordship of Christ. We don't think like everyone else does. We try to think on what is godly and what is good and what is holy and what is pure and what is honorable, like Paul says in the book of Ephesians. That's what we try to think on as our minds are renewed. Now, some of you are thinking to yourselves as you sit there, you're like, Danny, that's fine and dandy, and and I've surrendered my life to Jesus, but yo, my life does not look like that. That's not me. And what you need to understand is that salvation and the imputation of Christ's righteousness is given to us the moment you put your faith in Jesus. You experience Christ's righteousness. You experience forgiveness the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus. But our sanctification, that's a process. And that takes time. And if it were easy, we wouldn't have any writing in the Bible about it. But in large part, we have Paul's letters to the the churches in the New Testament because he had to keep telling them, knock it off, right? Stop doing that. Stop doing the same thing. Stop slandering each other. Stop sleeping around with each other. Stop arguing. Stop complaining. Stop gossiping. That's why we have all these letters to the churches in the New Testament. Sanctification, guys, is a process. And ultimately, we won't see its fulfillment until the moment that we're welcomed by Jesus into into His glory, into heaven for all eternity. Then we'll have glorified bodies. There'll be no more weeping. There'll be no more pain. There'll be none of that. None of the difficulties that we face here now in life. We'll have glorified bodies. But you know what? There will also be no more sin. And I don't know about you guys, but I can't wait for that day. I can't wait till I can be rid of this wretched and sinful body. One day, that's going to be. And we'll be in the presence of our Lord and Savior. Today we're going to be wrapping up chapter 5 of Ephesians, and here's where we're going. I want to give you guys a summary, in case you doze off, at least you got this, you know, a couple minutes here. Here's what we're here. Paul's going to challenge us. 
He's going to challenge us to be wise and to put away the foolishness of our former selves. He's going to command that we stay away from drunkenness. And instead of filling our bodies with, with what's toxic, to instead fill ourselves with what is so much better. He's going to explain that instead of worshiping our own selves, we should worship Jesus and we should live with gratitude in our hearts. And instead of submitting to our own weak wills, we should ultimately surrender and submit to one another and to Jesus. All right, so who's ready to go? You guys ready to dig into this? You guys are ready? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Here's what it says. You have it there in your notes. I have it on the screen behind me. If you can see it, I'm probably blocking it a good bit. Ephesians 5, 15. Here's what it says. Pay careful attention then to how you live. Pay careful attention then to how you live. Guys, how you live your life matters. It's tightly knit to your identity. Your identity determines your actions. Who you are determines what you do. So then how you live your life, it matters. And perhaps you're thinking to yourself, those of you that have been going through this topic for the past five weeks, have we been in the series? When can we get off this topic already, Danny? I get it. Well, we can stop talking about it when you realize that your life matters and how you live your life matters. Your body, guys, is rapidly wasting away. Our time on earth, Ecclesiastes says, that it's a vapor, it's a mist. So we need to make the most of what we do while we're in this flesh because how you live matters. Pay careful attention to how you live because ultimately now in Christ, our life has meaning. Your life has meaning in Christ. Your life has purpose in Christ. You don't live a meaningless life. You're not just trying to get by. You're not just trying to get the next hit. You're not just trying to find your next fling. No, we have meaning. We have purpose. We have identity. You are loved by God. You are a child of God. Guys, apart from God, life has no meaning. In fact, that's what most atheists, um, uh, that's what most atheists believe. That if, if we're simply evolved scum caused by some huge cosmic accident, then what meaning do we have? It's all random coincidence. The fact that we're alive, it doesn't matter because it's just all by mistake. It's all by happenstance. What purpose is there in that? But the fact that we are known the fact that we are loved by the God of the universe, that gives us meaning, that gives us purpose. And that God loved us so much that he put on human flesh in the form of Jesus to die for your sins and for my sins so that ultimately he could win us back unto himself. Guys, and that's meaningful. And that gives you meaning. Your life matters. So pay careful attention to how you live it. Now, as we continue to go on, is what Paul says, we're going to look at seven things that Paul says in these next couple of verses. Seven um, advice. So if you are those that like to take notes, there's some fill-in-the-blanks in the bulletins that you receive. So you can go ahead and do that. That's all for you to copy, mark up, and take notes. But here's the first thing we're going to see. Paul says, don't live as a fool, live wise. Let's read verse 15 once again. It says this, pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise, but as what? but as wise. Not as unwise, but as wise. See guys, a foolish person lives their life in a way like there's no God. It's foolish to live out your life apart from and outside of the will of God. Here's how it's said in the book of Proverbs. You have it there in your notes, Proverbs 15, 12. Would you guys read that verse with me? Let's read it out loud. It's on the screen and in your notes. Are you guys ready? Let's read it with nice and loud, daylight savings time enthusiasm, right? Ready? Go. There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. You see, when you live your life foolishly, 
When you surrender to those sinful desires, when you follow your sinful passions and ignore God's warnings, you end up hurting yourself. There are very real consequences to your sinful choices. And when you choose pursuing folly over, when you, when you pursue choosing folly, you end up paying a hefty price. And one of the things I hate people hearing is making a bad decision and then praying to God, free me of this consequence. Your choices, there's consequences to your choices. We can't get angry at God because he doesn't get you out of every mess you put yourself in. Because there are consequences, guys, to how you live your life. Instead, what should we do? We should choose wisdom. We should pay careful attention to how we live. Your choices matter, and there are consequences. A wise person listens to counsel and takes heed. A wise person chooses God's will and best over their own selfish and sinful desires. Because they know that ultimately God's best is better. So the question I have for you is this. Here's the question I want to ask you. Here's what I want you to think about. Are you a fool or are you wise? Are you living your life foolishly pursuing the vain and vanishing pleasures of this world just to get a quick hit or a quick high, a one-night stand to fulfill some impulse or vice? Or are you wise, acknowledging that God's best is better, that ultimately His way is the right way, and that His way leads to eternal life later but it also leads to a better life now. Here's the second thing that Paul Paul says. He says this, number two in your notes. He says, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. He says it this way, Ephesians chapter 5, 15 and 16, once again, pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. You know, a lot of people, I don't know how many times I've heard this. Some of you guys have heard this before. How many people say, man, I'll surrender my life to Jesus, you know, when I'm good and old, you know, at the end of my life. And for right now, I want to party it up. I want to have a good time. I want to enjoy life. There's a lot to experience. There's a lot to experiment. So why would I give all that up now to follow Jesus? I'll do it when I'm good and ready sometime in my 80s and 90s or something. All right, Paul says you should make the most of your time because life is short. Hell is hot. Christ is returning and there's no time to waste. Make most of your life now. Don't wait until you're too old and frail to make an impact. Make the most of your life now. (coughs) Excuse me. Why? Because Paul says the days are evil. The days are evil. How did Paul know that in 2018 the days would be evil? Because what was true and relevant for the church in Ephesians back then continues to be true and relevant for us now. The days are evil. We are surrounded by a world that resides in darkness. This is what, what Barrios was talking about last week, about being light in the midst of darkness. So then what should we do? Should we hide? Should we cower in fear? No way. Jesus says, who lights a lamp and puts it under a bed? Right? The light of Christ shines bright in a world of darkness. Guys, darkness never overwhelms the light. Light always pushes away darkness. And that's what Jesus said we are. He said we are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. And listen, guys, here, we're a pretty young church. The church itself is just under two years old. We're approaching our two-year birthday. But even on average, those of us that attend church, we pretty much average somewhere in the, in the mid-30s or so. So we're a pretty young church. So what if we all understood in our youth the potential that we have to influence our community, to influence our friends, to impact our neighbors, and to make the most of our time? What if you guys that are young, what if you, if you took the chance, if you took the opportunity to make the most of your life now? Man, it would be powerful. 
So the question I have for you this is what do you do with your time? How, what do you use your time for? What do you do with your time? How do you spend your time? Do you spend your time wisely or foolishly? Do you spend your time attempting to satisfy whatever sinful, um, a sinful or, or, or craving you have or whatever vain pursuit, seeking a, a temporary fix? Or do you stand idly by, waiting for someone else to do it? Make the most of your life. Guys, don't waste your life. Here's the next thing Paul says, number three in your notes, is to this, pursue God's will. Pursue God's will. He says it this way in verse 17. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Understand what the Lord's will is. Again, the vain pursuits of your selfish and sinful cravings is foolish. Instead, understand the Lord's will. Understand and live out what God wants for you. And what's God's will for your life? Well, you guys remember what Paul said in the beginning of Ephesians chapter 5. He said to be imitators of God. The Lord's will for you is sanctification and holiness. And he was so serious about that that he sent Jesus to die for you and give you his righteousness. Now, what is the will of God? Ephesians 5.2 says to walk in love as Christ loved us. How did Christ love us? He loved us sacrificially. He laid down his life for us. What does God want from us? He wants from us to follow the lead of Jesus, to willingly and sacrificially lay down our lives, not to satisfy our sinful desires, but to live for the audience of one. Follow his will. So don't be foolish and understand what the Lord's will is. Here's number four in your notes. Be filled by the Spirit. Be filled by the Spirit. We read this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It says this. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. Don't get drunk. That's pretty clear, right? Anybody need an explanation on that? It's pretty clear. You would think that something like this really wouldn't need much explanation in the time of Paul or even now. But it's 2018 and us as sinful human beings, we love to uh, cover up and make an excuse in order to satisfy our sinful cravings. And, and oftentimes we like to cover up you know, our vices and our sin under the umbrella of God's grace. So we need to talk about this. All right. First of all, here's the big idea. Here's what Paul's saying. Here's the overarching concept. He's saying, don't fill yourself with any substance to the degree where you are drunk or tipsy or high. Because it leads to reckless living. Guys, we live in Bushwick and nobody got to tell you that when you get turned up, things get crazy, right? Right? Just wake up at 2, 3 a.m. and you already know what's up, right? And you don't, nobody got to tell you that. But guys, how many lives have to be ruined because someone decided to have one too many? How many people have to die? How many marriages have to end? How many flings have to happen? How many toilets do you need to puke in? How many hungover mornings do you need to have before you realize that just doesn't work? It doesn't work. And Paul is saying instead, instead, instead of filling yourself with that, fill yourself with the Spirit of God. You see, when you're drunk, you're under the influence of that substance, right? Your thoughts are clouded. Your judgment is muddied. Your moral meter is compromised. But when you fill yourself with the Spirit, you're no longer under the influence of that substance. You're under the influence of Him. You're under His influence. Your thoughts are clear. Your judgment is sober. And morally, you're listening to the Spirit's prompting 
and surrendering your sinful flesh and submitting to the Lord's will. Do you guys see the difference? In this passage, Paul is specifically, he's talking specifically about having too much to drink. But I think we can just as easily include any, any abuse of any substance, including food even. It can include anything that you fill yourself with so much that it leads to a reckless life. So the question I have for you and that I have for myself today is what are you filling yourself up with? What are you filling yourself up with? What are you consuming in such a way that it ends up consuming you? Instead, fill yourself with the Spirit of God. How do you do that? Fill yourself with the Spirit of God, especially in those times when temptation arises by spending time in God's Word. Spend time in prayer. And this one's really important. Spend time with other followers of Jesus that can help you pursue Jesus over those sinful desires. And honestly, community is such a huge part of this. And this is why life groups are so important. And that's why we push it so often. Unfortunately, we couldn't meet this Wednesday because of the inclement weather. But this Wednesday, we're going to be getting together. And I want to encourage you, make it a priority. Put it on your calendar. Set an alarm. Prioritize community. Because in those times is when we can come along together. We can help each other, love each other, encourage each other, strengthen each other. When you're feeling weak, when you're feeling, when you're feeling down, we can come along. We can be there for one another. Look at what Proverbs 21, chapter 20, verse 1 says. Would you guys read this one out loud with me? You guys ready? Go. Wine is a mocker. Beer is a brawler. Whoever goes astray because of them is not wise. Don't be foolish. Be wise. And as we fill ourselves with the Spirit, what's the natural outcome? These next three things, Paul's going to say these are the natural outcomes. When you fill with the Spirit, this is what's going to happen, all right? Here's the next one. Number five in your notes, develop a worshipful attitude. When you fill yourself with the Spirit of God, you develop a worshipful attitude. It says it this way in verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. That's what we were just doing a couple minutes ago, right? We were here singing along, worshiping God. Now, of course, if you are saying no to a reckless and a disobedient life, and instead you're, you're pursuing and getting filled with the Spirit of God, you're going to develop a worshipful attitude. Your heart will be bent upward and focused upward. Remember what we mentioned a couple weeks ago, that we all worship someone or something, every single one of us. And for most of us, the temptation is to worship our own self. Fulfill my needs, fulfill my desires, achieve my wants, and regardless of the consequences. Remember that we mentioned that. But when we fill ourselves with God, with the Spirit of God, the natural outcome is a focus off our own self and onto God. Then you can't help but develop a worshipful, a prayerful, and a grateful heart and attitude. When you reflect on the goodness of God and all He's delivered you from, of course, of course you're going to want to sing out. Of course you're going to want to worship. Of course you're going to want to make music. Now listen, some of you are here today and you haven't gotten a glimpse of Jesus yet. You're like, Danny, I don't get it. You look at everyone around you and, and you see them, you know, singing and standing up and lifting their hands. And like, Danny, like what, what is going on? What's that about? What kind of weird people raise their hands and sing? But then you remember this summer when you went to see the Yankees, everybody, what they did around the seventh inning stretch they got up, lifted hands, and sang, take me out to the ballpark, right? <clears throat> it's a natural part. It's what you notice. People do that all the time. 
But you haven't experienced it yet. You haven't experienced, you haven't gotten a glimpse of Jesus yet. But we're praying for you. We're praying that you will. We're praying that you might get a glimpse of Jesus. Surrender to him and be filled with the spirit of God. And as a result, you'll develop a worshipful attitude. Here's number six in your notes. You'll also develop a grateful attitude. You'll develop a grateful attitude. Look what it says in verse 20. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, another result of being filled with the Spirit is a grateful attitude. There's a change on your outlook of life. You develop vision to see all of God's blessings all around you. And oftentimes, result of worship of self, when you worship yourself, when you think of yourself and you gratify your sinful desires... The result of that is an ungrateful attitude. Because you look at all the things you want, you look at the things you don't have, you look at your body, you look at your lifestyle, you look at your looks, you look at your bank account, and there's never enough. You always want more and more. You always want more, and that leads to an ungrateful attitude. But you see, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you develop a heart of gratitude. You see through the eyes of Christ, and you realize all the blessings around you. You're grateful for everything you have. You realize what James said in the book of James, that every good and perfect gift comes from God. You're grateful for who you are in Christ because you're adopted into the family of God and you are loved and you are cherished and you are forgiven. You're even grateful for the difficult moments in life because you realize in those difficulties and in those trials, you're becoming more like Christ and you're growing in your faith. The question to ask yourself today is, what kind of outlook do you have? What is your current attitude? Is it one of gratitude or ingratitude? Fill yourself with the Spirit of God and allow God to do a good work in you and develop a grateful heart. Here's the last thing we're going to talk about today. The last thing Paul mentions. He says to develop a submissive attitude. Develop a submissive attitude. Ephesians 5.21. Here's what it says. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. The last thing Paul says we'll develop as we're filled with the Spirit is a submissive attitude to one another. Not in a domineering or prideful sort of way, instead of in a mutual submission to one another. There's something the Spirit of God does within us. You see, our natural inclination is not one of submission, is not one of humility or service, right? Our natural inclination is what? Pride, resistance, and self-serving. But there's something that happens to someone who surrendered their life to Jesus and that is being filled with the Spirit of God. They put others' needs before their own. They accept, rebuke, they receive advice, and they humbly serve others. The world's message is one of pride. Look out for yourself, look out for number one, get more, be more, put yourself in first place. But when you're filled with the Spirit of God, when you're under His influence, your attitude is one of submission, of humility, and service. So the question is, do you have a submissive attitude? When, uh, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, as He was praying to God, And he was sweating drops of blood because of the anxiety and the stress and the worry. Because he knew what lied ahead of him. The cross lied before him. He was there sweating drops of blood. 
And he prayed to God and he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But then what did he say? Not my will, but yours. Your will be done. See, Jesus was filled with the Spirit. The Spirit opted to submit and obey to the will of the Father. What's God's will? What was God's will in that moment? That the wrath of God would be outpoured over your sin upon the back of Jesus, the blameless, the sinless, the perfect Lamb of God. Jesus went to the cross to accept the punishment of our sin. And on that cross, he suffered, he died, and he absorbed God's wrath. The wrath that you and I deserve because of our sin was absorbed on Jesus. And in his death, you received the forgiveness of your sins. And three days later, he rose from the grave, conquering Satan's sin and death. And in his life, you experienced newness of life. And if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, pay careful attention to how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of your time because the days are evil. Don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. What's his will? What is Jesus' heart for you? Not that you would perish. Not that anyone would perish, but that you would accept, that you would experience, that you would receive God's free gift of grace in Christ Jesus. That you would experience his love, his mercy, and his grace. And if you're here today, you've never made that decision. Or or you know what, maybe you've gone to church for a long time or your whole life, but you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never made him Lord and Savior. I want to give you that opportunity to do that today. In fact, if everybody would whip out their connection cards right now, on the back there's some next steps for us to follow. Now's a great time to fill out as much information as you feel comfortable sharing, as there'll be an opportunity to surrender that in, to give that in in a little bit. But on the back, if you've never made Jesus Lord and Savior then I just want to encourage you, check that off and let us know because we want to help you in your walk with Christ. We want to put a Bible in your hand. We want to help you. If you never made that decision, I encourage you to do so today. For the rest of us, would you guys take out a moment to pray with me now as we conclude? Lord, you know, help us to pay careful attention to how we live. Because how we live matters. Help us make the most of our time. Living our lives in such a way that brings you glory. Lord, I pray for those who fill themselves with other substances and that are living reckless lives. I pray that they may instead be filled with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit. Give us worshipful attitudes and grateful hearts. And help us Humbly love, submit, and encourage one another. We pray this in your precious son's name. Amen. Amen.